GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ and I am joined by a man who is constantly showing me his scars. And he always starts with the ones near his pelvis. It's really kind of <laughs> off-putting. I, I don't understand why he does it. It's really kind of creepy. Hovercraft Joe. Uh, thanks. Um, uh, yeah, I got. I, I didn't think I had any pelvic scars, but, you know. Uh, you know what? I didn't see any either, but you keep pulling your <laughs> pants down. And I'm like, man, come on. All right, fair enough. Um, we're back, LVJ. We, we had a, a, a bit of a break. We did. Uh, but here we are. Um we're kind of starting a new theme month to be determined how it plays out. But uh, we couldn't talk about a Lethal Weapon movie, and we couldn't talk about a Mel Gibson movie, especially without having our friend, the Tush on. How's it going, Tush? Oh, it's good. I'm just chilling naked in my uh, bathtub like uh, Roger Murtaugh. My family's <laughs> probably going to burst in at any moment. Yeah, but and he's. I'm in this franchise. He's sitting there, you know, with hanging dong, and his family walks in. <laughs> he has a weird dynamic with his family. I feel like it's um, very strange. Like, I, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on with his family, just in general. Oh yeah, like their relationship with uh, with um, Mel Gibson's character uh, uh, Riggs. There's a, there's a lot there, a lot to unpack. Also, that, like, um, basically, like Joel Silver likes to express his political opinions by the T-shirts that. Uh, Murtaugh's kids wear. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> you have to see Mel Gibson loved. Like, oh, there were a pro-choice that shirt in this scene. Awesome, you know. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, so uh, we're technically kicking off uh, the month of the threefold. We're a little late, but more to be determined later. We're talking about Lethal Weapon Three tonight. Uh, this movie comes out May fifteenth, nineteen ninety-two. And kind of my background with it, I'll go first. Uh, I know I had seen it before. I didn't really remember anything about it other than it was the one that introduced Rene Russo. And I watched it on Tubi, the great, great free app where you can watch all kinds of stuff. And I I watched uh, Lethal Weapon 3 on there. Uh, Tush, what about you in this movie? This was the first one I saw in theaters, which, again, would put me at probably an inappropriate age to be seeing it in a theater, like maybe like 11 or something for an R-rated movie. But, you know... This is the one I think more than the others that, by modern standards, would almost be PG thirteen. And yeah, I, don't th- um, I don't think there's anything egregious in it, really. No, I definitely, I yeah, I would have will be one of the ones that like on Friday, my dad uh, would have first taken us to Chuck E. Cheese and then they'd take us to the movies. Nice. Uh, is it one that you've revisited a lot in the past? Oh yeah, I mean, I, definitely, I didn't have to watch it on Tubi. I owned it, you know, oh. and uh, so you know, I've definitely. You know, it's, I mean, we'll get into it, but yeah, I, I've always enjoyed it. So it's my introduction to the franchise, and it got me to watch the other one, so. Uh, what about you, LPJ? Well, I have, I'm on record as saying we are not, like our household was not really a lethal weapon household. We just didn't really watch them. Um, the, I had never seen this one before. I might have saw clips of it at some point, maybe, but I didn't remember any of it. Um I, I'm fairly certain this is the first time I've ever seen this. Wow. Yeet. Blowing minds at the start of the episode. Yeah, I don't know. Le- Lethal Weapon was just never it was never on my radar. I never really never watched it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I do say I also remember getting the badass soundtrack cassette tape on clearance at Target. Where for some reason at Target they used to like like carve a little side like just to show you it's on clearance they used to carve a little bit out of the box for some reason it was really weird but you're uh, saying a, you're saying a cassette tape yeah cassette tape yeah would you could you give a quick explanation of what a cassette tape is for a uh younger listeners well it was like basically a you'd have listen to music on it and there was a bunch of tape inside of a plastic container and 
after about a year, it'd start to sound really terrible, you know. And <laughs> it wasn't right. like wasn't like you know, an MP3, and the, and also you pretty much you know you, you could rewind, but like there was really no skipping songs. You could fast forward, but it was probably of all the formats, it was probably the worst. <laughs> and it just it, it did well because it was in cars, you know, and like it was okay for that. But yeah, of all the formats that have been around in my lifetime, it was the worst. I guess people probably know what cassettes are because now it's like the hip thing to really release your album on like a cassette tape and stuff. Which is moronic. Again, because it's just again, it's the worst format. It's worse than eight track, you know, it's just like sound wise, it's like it's the absolute worst format. So that anyone does it, it's just pure hipster nonsense. <laughs> Well, anyways, let's continue with the numbers. Uh, this movie has a budget of $35 million, uh, has a domestic gross of $144 million, and a worldwide gross of $321 million. So, huge success. Um, yeah, I never realized, I mean, that budget's pretty, that's pretty economical. I mean, when you're thinking that probably, even at the time, just between Danny Glover and Mel Gibson, probably fifteen a million of that's going to them. You know, another million going to Pesci. You know, so they did a lot for this, for this movie with you know not a huge huge budget. So well, I don't know. I think thirty five million was fairly large then, though. Yeah, but the nineties. I mean, the nineties was like the beginning of like the hundred million dollar movies and stuff like that. So think about. I mean. So yeah, I mean, talking about inflation, that's probably more like fifty million now or something like that. But still. Still, basically a mid ranger, you know. I don't like see. I don't know. I think thirty five million for this movie is a lot. Um, and I'm not saying it doesn't look like there's thirty five million on the screen. What I'm saying is, I think, I think they had a blank checkbook to make this movie and could only get up to thirty five million. <laughs> That's what I think. Because if you look at it, look, look at the sets, look at all that stuff. Even that entire scene where they destroy the. Um, where they destroy the the, the housing development, the housing development yeah. that was already pre-built that yeah, they were going to destroy anyway. Orlando was destroying some some uh, stuff, so they're like, "Yeah, we'll film some of the movie here, and then you know." Yeah, so so like I said, like there's thirty five million dollars worth of, worth of budget on the screen, but I feel like they used all that thirty five million and probably had some money left over. Maybe that's how much it costs to rent out the uh, hockey arena for the maybe, hockey scene. Maybe. Yeah. I don't remember. It was the, the Los Angeles Kings. I can't remember who they were playing. Well, so it was a, a it was um, Toronto, the Maple Leaf, but it was all slightly changed. They wouldn't have to pay any licensing fees to the NHL. So, like, if you look at their logo, there's like a little like uh, a little spade on like the Maple Leaf or something. It's really kind of a weird setup. Is it the Ace of Spades? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not qualified to say that term. <laughs> Someone here is. It's too early in the episode. You're not nope. gonna get it out of him. Don't forget the Joker. Um, don't forget. Yeah, the Joker. don't forget the Joker. Um, okay, so uh, it's Rotten Tomatoes is 58, percent which is way, way, way higher than a other third movie in a franchise that we've watched, Beverly Hills Cop Three. And- I would like to. I would like to again. I pointed this out before. I was because the thing is when you watch a movie on Movies Anywhere, it's Rotten Tomatoes come up. And several of like like the first half that I saw were all recent reviews. Like it's like, well, I do think like it's certainly movies like this, and certainly Mel Gibson movies. So like, I'd really be interested to see what the critical reviews at the time were because I really think kind of unfair to not just like freeze the reviews, you know, from like when they it's like you know, like you read them it's like oh, and like you know, like uh, such and such dot com. It's like screw you. Why are you taking the time to go back? To you, knock an old movie. You, know? you think so? You think fifty eight percent is uh, egregiously low for this movie? Not egregiously low, but just I I do question. I'm curious what the like. Maybe I'll go back and look at an old Leonard Malton guy or something. He was usually pretty much down the middle. You know. Um. Yeah. yeah well, let us know. Follow up on the Discord with that one. Uh, oh, yeah. And then and then the audience score is sixty one percent. So they are pretty aligned as far as Rotten Tomatoes and the audience score. Um, top grossing movie of 1992 or the top grossing movies of 1992. You have number one, Aladdin. Uh, number two, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And number three, a movie that we've covered on this very podcast, Batman Returns. Um, 
This movie, uh, Lethal Weapon 3, actually comes in fourth in the uh, domestic box office in 1992. Uh, Other movies that we have covered on this podcast from 1992 are number 13, Under Siege, number 36, Always Kick Him in the Dick, Passenger 57, uh, number 40, uh, Dave's missed opportunity to get that ear necklace, Universal Soldier. Uh, number 44, the movie that we've covered that the most people said they want to be on and that no one was on, Three Ninjas. And <laughs> number number 46, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. So That's an episode I'm glad I missed. Alone was tricked in the making. <laughs> I'm glad I was not we- part of that episode. Um, yeah, that was a that was a bad movie. Uh, okay, let's talk about the cast of this movie. Uh, we got Mel Gibson, we got Danny Glover, we got Joe Pesci, who I kind of hate in this movie. Uh, Rene Russo. Um, who do you guys want to talk about? Well, there's Darlene Love, right? Singer of yes. Christmas Baby, please come home. Yes. Anybody else? Come on, you guys uh, are my character. Oli Thorson makes an, another appearance of franchise playing a different character from the last. Well, just like a random henchman, but like, you know, he's been in the franchise twice as two different characters. He shows up a lot in a lot of the movies that we've, that we, we've seen. Yeah. He's just kind of all over the action movies of, of the 80s and 90s, and even even in the 2000s as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, we could talk about uh, Mary Ellen Trainer is the doctor in this. Um, yeah. You got, I mean, the guy who plays Jack Travis, like, I've really never saw him in almost anything else. Like, yeah, neither have I. Like, I, I don't know him from anything else yeah i'm sure and i, I mean, when you get to role reversal like they, they bandy around some big names and it's like and they went with this guy it's like yeah i think they settled on this guy i'm they pretty sure they settled on that guy yeah i mean he does a good job with it but sure. you know, yeah oh and then um the guy who plays um hulk hogan's brother no holds bard it plays billy you know that the the, the who gets caught in the beginning oh no you know who that is that's mark pellegrino from he's lucifer yeah. in supernatural ah okay yeah wait who does mark pellegrino play he's uh at the beginning you know the guy they catch and uh ends up getting killed in the goodbye billy oh the guy okay the guy in the police station yeah it was one of his first roles brother randy in no holds barred oh that's true i did know that um cool i didn't i didn't notice that that was mark pellegrino so I really yep. feel like I, I want to watch Supernatural, but it's just such a commitment now. Yeah, it's a good commitment. Yeah, and you know you yeah. can stop whatever you want. Just watch watch the first five seasons, and you're and that's a whole that's a whole arc. The next five seasons are kind of a whole arc, and the five seasons after that are kind of an arc. Well, right now I can say this: I'm spite watching Breaking Bad because my friend always like is like, "Why aren't you? Did you watch Breaking Bad?" So I'm going to watch the whole thing, and the next time it brings up, I'll be like. What are you talking about? I've seen all the episodes. I, I always watched it. They gaslight him and make him think he's crazy. The end game is beginning to get an MRI. Speaking of, um, wow. speaking of uh, Netflix, I keep seeing that for some reason some Mel Gibson movie I've never heard of keeps being like number one uh, on the like charts for movies like so like Dragged Over Pavement or something yeah, like it's that. The one he made with the maker of Bone Tomahawk. It's it's a good movie. It's dark. It's like really like nihilistic, and it's a uh, yeah. It's 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 got Vince Vaughn in it, and mm. um, it, it's a de- it's a it's definitely a decent movie. But uh, yeah, it's very dark. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Let's do a couple networks. You guys ready? Yep. yep. Okay. We're gonna start with Joe Pesci. He's got that sweet sweet casino money. What do you think, Tush for? Joe Pesci. He's got that sweet, sweet Michael Jackson's Moonwalker money. <laughs> and I wonder if he might get royalties from the video game as well. But um, I think he's worth more than we think. I think he's worth $100 million. Okay. What do you think, uh, LBJ? He's got that sweet, sweet number two highest box office of the year, Home Alone 2 money. That's true. Number two and number four, baby. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, what'd you say, Dave? I say 100 million. I'll go. I'll go 75 million. Uh, you're closer, uh, LPJ. It's only 50 million. Um, remember how we almost did Michael Jackson Moonwalker on the podcast? Yep. <laughs> we are very close we to were. doing it on the podcast. Like, also, I believe that uh, Joe Pesci put a baby in Angie Everhart. I think. 
<laughs> I don't yeah. know that story, nor do I want to. Uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, Renee Russo. She's got that sweet, sweet Thomas Crown affair money. Yeah, uh, what do you still mind? What do you think, uh, uh, LPJ, for Renee Russo? Uh, she's got that sweet, sweet. Um, shoot, why can't I think of anything else she's in? She's been in a million things. Um, Thor, say Thor. I don't want to say Thor. <laughs> uh, she was in Lethal uh, Weapon Four. She was. She was in Lethal Weapon Four, um, and potentially Lethal Weapon Five. Uh, I'll say she's got twenty-five million. Uh, what do you think, uh, Tish? She's got that sweet, sweet Thor the Dark World money. Okay. And I think she I think she married Rich, too. I think she has $35 million. Uh, Pretty close $40 million for Rene Russo. Uh, next up, Danny Glover. He's got that sweet, sweet Royal Tannenbaum's money. What do you think, Tush, for Danny Glover? He's got that sweet, sweet badasses too and badasses on the bayou money. Um, <laughs> what? No, never mind. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just... No. Um. I think. I think he's probably only worth like twenty-five million. Only. All right. What, what do you think, uh, LPJ? He's got that sweet, sweet can't say no to a role uh, money. Um, he's been <laughs> in a million movies. Uh, I think just. From sheer numbers alone, he's got fifty million. So close, forty million dollars for Danny Glover. Forty. I, I should have said sweet, sweet crab man for my name is Earl's dad money. He played crab man's dad on my name is Earl. You know what? Jody's going to be psyched when he listens to this episode because <laughs> he does love my name is Earl. Um, finally, uh, the man himself. Mr. Mel Gibson, uh, he's got that sweet, sweet dragged over pavement money. What do you think, uh, LPJ for Mel Gibson? A man who we've covered on the podcast quite a few times. He's got that sweet, sweet directed apocalypto money. Um, I'm going to go $260 million. Okay, what do you think, uh, Tish? I get it wrong every time. He's got that sweet, sweet chicken run money. I'm going to say he's worth $400 million. Very close. $425 million for Mel Gibson. So Better get right the next time. Still doing pretty well for himself. Okay. Uh, this movie is directed by our buddy Richard Donner. Uh, it's written by Dave's buddy Shane Black. Uh, uh, Jeffrey. No, it's not written by Shane. He created the characters for this, didn't he? Oh, well, I don't know. You guys can help me out. I'm looking. It says writers, Jeffrey Bohm, Robert Mark Kamen, Shane Black. That's what yeah, it says. They, they give people credit when they create the characters a lot. Yeah. I might be wrong. No, it was Jeffrey Bohm and Robert Mark Kamen that wrote it, but Shane Black wrote the characters. Because it doesn't take place at Christmas. Right. So. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it says characters. If you get a look, so it just says characters, but it was confusing. Uh, the way it had listed. Uh, correcting you so much as like just offering our, you know, our thoughts. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I, the, I was correcting you. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and the, the cinematography was Jean de Bon. You love that guy. Uh, and then the music is by Eric Clapton, Michael Kamen, and David Sanborn. So, uh, and we're not going to play anything, but Dave, you wanted to talk about the soundtrack a little more, maybe? I mean, so I had it, and like, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. It just, it's like Eric Clapton, he tried two songs, one with Sting and one with Elton John. And I do have to agree with LPJ. They don't seem to fit. Maybe the first one with Sting fits a little bit more. But yeah, the Elton John one's on the end credits. It's like very, it's very late 80s, early 90s Elton John. You know, kind of, it's like, yo. Yeah, neither of them made any sense in this movie. Is, is the Sting one the one they play at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, we think it's probably me. It's I don't know, kind of goes like the downbeat, like and they, they kind of you know they have I those the emotional op- lethal weapon moments. You know? I thought the opening of this movie is very weird, like the credits and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Full, com- full confession: uh, I was mentioning this to uh, LPJ before we started recording. I watched uh, the first half of this movie like a month ago, <laughs> and then I watched the second half of it this week. So some of my notes from the first half might not make sense to me anymore. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Uh, Philip Emmett. So, uh, 
anything else that you guys want to mention specifically um, before we get into it? Oh, I did see that. You know, did you see who was a uncredited script script doctor on this movie? I did. Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Oh yeah, I guess I did see that. That's yeah. kind of, that was kind of her thing. Like, yeah, her she, and John Milius. Yeah, they would. They'd say, "Hey, this this script needs some work," and they just toss it her way, throw her a couple hundred thousand dollars, and she'd fix it and send it back. Or just like a big baggie of cocaine. Well, that's a, you know they had to set, they had to give her the yeah. money, but that's what she spent it on. And she was like, "Ooh, you know what this movie needs? Danny Glover in a bathtub." Yeah, <laughs> with with just enough bubbles to keep his 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 uh, his kids from seeing his dog, but yeah. but they probably saw it anyway. Well, that was a correction from the first movie. The first movie didn't have bubbles, so he's just sitting there with his wiener like distorted by the water. Whereas in the second, and you know, I mean, the third one, they's like, okay, yes, he's a grown man, but we'll have him take a bubble bath, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> um, okay, so uh, you guys want to get into the movie? Yeah. Okay. So, again, my first note just says, this opening is weird. And I think it was a combination of, like, the music, and I feel like maybe it was shots of fire or something. I can't yeah. really remember what it was. <laughs> it was. It was, it was like, a, like a Bond theme without the girls. I think, like, maybe, like, well, we paid Eric Clapton, so we really want to showcase him and Sting, you know? Fair enough. Um, so, uh, Danny Glover. Uh, he's eight days away from retirement, and I'm like, wait, wasn't he retiring like two movies ago? Like, yeah. I feel like that's like a plot point of the first movie is that like he's, he's retiring. No, the first movie he's about to turn like fifty, I think. No, or well, is he getting old. I don't think he's retiring in the in the, it, the first. Movie. Look, either way, he's consistently too old for the shit. He is too <laughs> yeah. old for the shit. Which, by the way, we'll get into it. Did you guys see that this movie has a freaking post credit scene? <laughs> Yeah, Does yeah, it? I forgot. I, it's been, I didn't. I didn't watch it this time though. But it has. It has a post credit scene. Yeah, it's so weird. It's I don't so know if weird. I watched it or not. Oh well, you would remember because Nick Fury shows up and is like, "Hey, you want to be part of? I want to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative." Uh, no, it's just it was weird. I'll I'll, I'll talk about it when you get to it. Um, okay, so he's eight days away from retirement. Uh, they go, they get a call and I guess there's like a bomb in a car in a, uh, parking structure. Um, and just to let you know that like Mel Gibson Riggs is still crazy. He wants to go and defuse the bomb, uh, and not wait for the bomb squad. I'm not really sure why. And then you just like get this little thing. They're back and forth, you know, where they're like, Oh, I don't know what wire to cut. Should I cut this wire? And, uh, there's a cat there and he cuts the wrong wire. And so, they have to run out because it speeds up the timer and the whole building blows up. Yeah, this was like <clears throat> this whole situation was so bizarre. <laughs> I, I don't you say it's how bizarre. It's how bizarre, so bizarre. How bizarre? I, like I don't get, I don't get it. Like I don't <laughs> with their characters. I just, I just don't get this opening scene. What's not to get? Like, I, I why? why the, the only reason for this scene is to reestablish that Riggs is crazy and that. Murtaugh is close to retirement. That's it. You're in the third movie of the series. You'd know who these characters are by this point. Yeah, well, I think he's a different kind of crazy. He's not suicidal anymore, but he's still crazy. They want you to remember, you know, their kind of their dynamic and how they work as a as a team, as partners, you know? Yeah. I think I think it's you know, I think it's especially for someone who at this point when I was a kid, I hadn't seen every movie yet. It's what is the um thing, you know? What is the, uh, like, how many years between the second one and this one? This is 92. What's the second one? Like, 89? Yeah. I think so. 88 or 89, I think. So, yeah, it's a couple of years. Um, Okay. So, anyways, because of this stunt, they get uh, busted down to uh, patrolmen. So, they're walking the beat. There's a a bit about how Danny Glover is wearing a girdle. Uh, <laughs> Which that first of all, them getting busted down to patrolmen seems like a huge demotion because like they go yeah. from detective to a beat cop. <laughs> like they don't even put on desk know duty. How that works? I think you have to go through police unions and such. I'm fairly certain you do. But, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I would think maybe more of a suspension. I think it's maybe it was like a well, we're making you're going on patrol, but you know, like it's a you know, I don't know, like a temporary. Obviously, it proves to be temporary, but you know. Ooh, like and to reference, to reference, uh, to reference uh, the last actual episode of the podcast we put out. Uh, remember, in twelve rounds, John Cena is a beat cop, and then he catches Littlefinger, and then he gets bumped up to detective. So, kind of 
kind of a little role reversal with our last movie, if you will. I suppose. All right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, okay. So they, there's a little bit where they uh, yell at a jaywalker and get him really scared, but they're just like, it's just a, a joke they're doing, I guess. Um, yeah, it's fun and, and, and then they just like, they, I like how they just kind of like, this movie, they just like randomly stumble into crimes because they just happen to be where these people are using a fake armored car to like steal money. <laughs> and so then, so they, they like, uh, Mel Gibson is like on the car, right? He's like hanging on to the, the the fake armored car, but then the real armored car shows up, and like Danny Glover gets in there with this lady, and this lady's crazy, <laughs> and she's like hitting on Danny Glover, and it's like I, <laughs> she's not crazy; she's just horny for that sweet, sweet Danny Glover, but like like super aggressive horny, like it's really yeah. kind of <laughs> uncomfortable at times. But we'll put you we'll put you in a room with Danny Glover and see if you can resist his animal magnetism. And then the fact that this lady comes back later in the movie <laughs> yeah um so and you then like questioning things i just don't question at all i'm like yeah <laughs> it's completely fine to me you know so and then like okay here's here's another problem i have with this movie right away so like they've established like mel gibson he's like super tough like freaking like beats up people all the time like the, you know the showcase of the first movie is him fighting uh Busey, you know and like and then in this movie, he seems to be having so much trouble beating up uh, 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 the dude in the back of the uh, when he gets into the armored car. Yeah. Like he has so much trouble beating that but one guy up. See, I don't see. I think it's almost like a trope in Mel Gibson movies that he's not the indestructible action hero. He gets his he gets beat up a lot. He gets tortured in them. He you know remember in the second one when we went over like that guy who looks like really out of shape like seems to give him a lot of problems in the fight and stuff like that. I uh, think I, that I get that, but they spent so much time in the first movie talking about how he knows martial arts and he can do all kinds of crazy things. See, I think, I mean, it's, it's kind of like maybe, first of all, it makes it more exciting. I think in some cases where it's like, Oh, he might not beat this guy. And, like, you know, it, it sets up the stunt where he has to jump back and then, you know, go between the two cars and all that. So, like, yeah, he probably should be able to dispatch this guy a lot easier. But I think that's part of it, like, the Mel Gibson, like, charm in these movies that he's not Schwarzenegger or Stallone. We're like, you know, and it is more. I mean, obviously, this movie isn't necessarily strong on realism, but in the actual fighting style, that is kind of like even the best guy usually takes. It's a lot harder to you know knock someone out or beat someone up than most movies would portray it. You know. All right, fair I'll, enough. I'll concede that point. Um. So back in the car, the lady's still aggressively hitting on Danny Glover, and she's singing, <laughs> and it's getting really weird. And I think he does. That's the first time he said that he's getting too old for this shit. Um. Then uh, you, like you said, there's he's back on the car. He's hanging from the car. They end up stopping it uh, because he like slams on the brake, and the guy like flies not flies through the windshield but i think he hits his head on the windshield i don't know but all i know is that he's knocked out and like mel gibson punches him in the face again he's about half in and half out of the windshield right yeah that's what it is uh okay so um and then then i was confused we talked about the weird family situation so uh danny glover's wife does mel gibson's laundry is that like what i'm to yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) Because you know, I mean, if you look at on the beach, if yeah, if you look at Mel Gibson's here. house, it's not like he's got a lot of room for uh, appliances. Yeah, he's got just enough room for a butt in the moonwalk. Uh, okay, one reference. Thank you. Uh, okay, so then uh, Joe Pesci shows up because I got to cram him into this movie, uh, and he's a real estate agent now, and he's trying to sell Danny Glover's house for him because he's going to be retiring, but he has to like tell him about like the people about all the bad stuff that happened there. So I think he talks about like the toilet blowing up and, yep. and all this stuff. So um, that's a little bit funny bit. And then like, oh, I do have to point out in that bit that those people hear all those terrible things and they don't leave until they see what is like, looks like it might be a gay moment between Riggs and Murtaugh, like wrestling. <laughs> and that's what that's like. Nope. Can't, I think gay people lived in this house. We're out of here. It's yeah. true. That That is when they leave, yeah. There is a lot of weird... Like, it, it's weird looking back on movies like this and 
you know, view, viewing it from the 2023 lens uh, yeah. and seeing that kind of stuff. Like, it just seems strange to me that, that they would do that. It's true. Um, so then, like, I don't know, like, I was confused because I thought they were like, wait, is Danny Glover's son joining a gang? Or no, he just knows some friends that were in a gang. Uh, yeah. More on, more on Daryl later. Um, and then well, and I think uh, Danny Glover's worried that his son is going to join the gang. Like he, he's worried that he's spending too much time with those guys and that he's being drawn yeah. into it. Right. Uh, so then um, uh, we go to the main bad guys and they're uh, building a subdivision. <laughs> um, and apparently the armored truck robbers work for the, the bad guy, uh, Travis. We'll find out his name is. Uh, and yeah, the one that got it turns out the oh, bad guy's evil Ty Pennington. <laughs> <laughs> and so the uh, they they kill the one that got away by uh, burying him alive in wet cement. Uh, pretty horrifying. Um, so then, like, they just happen to stumble upon, uh, or I don't know, it's like a pointless scene where like they they like uh, Mel Gibson interrupts uh, Danny Glover's daughter who's filming a movie. And like messes up the scene, and the director fires her. But then Mel Gibson like beats him up, <laughs> and so he's like, "Okay, you're hired back. You're rehired." You know what? That's one of my big problems with this movie is it's so disjointed. It literally, at times, it literally just feels like a series of skits that are thrown together, like th- that have that have no connective material between them. It's just like, all right, we're gonna do this little bit of shtick. And then we're going to throw him in this weird situation where he goofs something up. And then we're going to go to, how about, I don't know, a shootout. Let's do that next. Uh, yeah, I didn't understand. Uh, Tush, you're you're uh, the champion of this movie. Will you understand why that scene's in there? I just don't. I mean, again, it's I don't. It, it certainly didn't bother me. I don't know. It just seemed completely, you know, it's like, I, I, I just never really occurred to me that like, oh, this like it didn't take me out of it or anything like um so then oh, Mel Gibson, your, your rose-colored glasses are huge <laughs> i whereas i'm thinking you have a case of sphinxitis for this movie <laughs> like i don't you guys just picking at things i'm like it never really occurred to me that like you know D- dave's got big uh elton john rose <laughs> glasses. Oh, yeah. he's got um, his, he's got his mel, his mel gibson beer goggles on for this movie yeah just just wait till the next movie they, they eventually you know <laughs> so all the time. So Mel Gibson's eating a milk bone. That's something that happens a lot yeah, in this. He's trying to quit smoking, so which I think was a full of movies. Well, that's, that's that was like a thing in like the '90s, where like people first started to become health conscious and really start. I mean, you know, they knew smoking is bad for you, but it's really like it seemed like in every movie someone was trying to quit smoking at that time period. And so, you know, it also makes sense that a character is supposed to be physically fit. You can't have them smoking a couple packs of camels every day, you know. Fair enough. Um, so uh, Danny Glover accidentally shoots his gun in the locker room. Um, yeah. and, and I'm not sure what was going on there. Um, then they go to the shooting range. Um, and, like, he, he shows Mel Gibson. He shows that, like, that armored car guy had, like, armor-piercing bullets, I think. So he, like, demonstrates the armor-piercing bullets. Yeah. Um. Uh, we're introduced to Renee Russo's character. She works for Internal Affairs. Um, they get in a big argument because I guess the guy that they busted from the armored car is also someone that they're investigating for Internal Affairs. Uh, and while they're arguing about this in the captain's office, uh, the the main bad guy Travis <laughs> walks into the police station and murders Mark Pellegrino in the interrogation room, and then just leaves. Yep. Yep, that's it. That's what happens. And it's I like whole, that's, that's like yeah, the whole thing is that like this guy knows the uh, the system down so well that uh, you know that's what makes him so dangerous. He certainly, it just seems. Oh, go he, ahead. I have to say he's certainly compared to the villains from the last two, a low rent villain when compared to like you know basically government sanctioned South African, you know uh, you know. Trucks and drug drug lords like that, and then also like ex CIA guys. Yeah, Jack Travis is a little bit. He's a real estate developer who steals guns that are going to be like burned. You know, is isn't the uh, isn't the fourth movie the bad guy Jet Li or one of the bad guys? Yes, yeah. Jet Li is essentially like the hired muscle for the bad guy. Yeah, 
but at the same time, I don't know. He, it's kind of hard to explain, but we'll explain it when we do that that movie. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, so the, the captain ends up reinstating them as detectives. Uh, the guy gets shot. Uh, that's when they find out that uh, it's Lieutenant Jack Edward Travis. He was a dirty cop when he was at the police force, uh, and now he's a criminal, which, uh, okay, I understand, but it's like he was a dirty cop. And he got fired or whatever, but then like he just walks into the police station and everyone's like, "How's it going, Captain?" Like it's like you should know that he got fired. Like if they revoked our badges at Sam's Club, we couldn't just like walk into the break room and clock in, you know? Like, well, it's the Los Angeles Police Department's a very big, multiple departments, and you know, so you wouldn't necessarily know everyone by name. And they said that just one day he walked away, like he just kind of disappeared from a stakeout, okay. like he never like came back. So. I, can, I think you know a lot of times it's the anonymity of like a large organization. So he knew, knows what he had to do. He knows like the badge type thing he'd have to wear. They didn't they didn't recognize him as Jack Travers. They just knew the whole. It's like the whole concept of like if you act like you're supposed to be there, people won't question it. You know. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so Joe Pesci shows back up. He recognizes Jack Travis uh, and knows, and he's like, "Oh, he likes to hang out at a hockey game." So they go to the hockey game. Uh, looking for him. That's uh, so weird. He's he likes to hang on to hockey games. There happens to be a hockey game tonight. Let's just go see if he's at this hockey game. That's their whole plan. It's like eh, let's just let's just go see. And they bring Joe Pesci with him. Yeah. At the time, like I know this guy watched the thirty for thirty. Hockey was huge in it LA. Was. Gretzky had just come there. It was. So, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So that's I'm, uh, I, that was. Probably the producer's excuse to be like, hey, we can go hang out with the LA Kings, you know? So um, so he makes the announcement over the PA, and, and Jack Travis tries to get out, and they're chasing him, uh, and they, they're, like, running across the ice. Uh, but then he shoots Joe Pesci in order to get away, but Joe Pesci ends up being fine. They take him to the hospital, and they're like, hey, keep him here for a couple days and, like, give him a rectal exam or something like that. And the doctor's <laughs> like, okay, I'm on board with this. So then, okay, I'm going to need you to put on those glasses and defend this to me. Um, they go to a burger stand. Yeah. For some reason. Danny Glover just is like, oh, man, this is my burger stand. And he, like, goes behind the counter and starts making burgers. Yeah. And, he wants to show Mel Gibson that he's good at making burgers. Well, and it's just like that. He's got his own burger concoction that he's made up at this particular burger stand that apparently yeah. he just makes for himself. Yeah, it's just an excuse to briefly separate the two characters so, you know, Mel Gibson can get knocked out by a board, you know. Well, and that's the thing. Well, don't forget, before that happens, he eats an onion like an apple. It's true, um, he does. So, yeah, so then, like, this is one of those things where, like, crime just conveniently happens where they are because, like, a drug deal starts happening, like, right on the other side of where the burger stand is. And uh, you're right, he gets knocked out by a piece of wood. Uh, and then uh, Danny Glover, like, there's a there's a kid and he's shooting, like, a machine gun at, or, like, an Uzi, I guess. I don't know what yeah. it is. I'm yeah. not the gun expert. Uh, and, and Danny Glover kills him, and they're like, he's like, oh, no, I killed Daryl. And at this time, I'm like, wait, who's Daryl again? I didn't know. Daryl was the friend, his friend's son uh, that he killed. And shortly after that, they established that Daryl was 15 years old. That actor was 35. <laughs> oh, like, that guy, there's no way there's a 15-year-old kid. Yeah. he. Um, so he's really upset because uh, he killed uh, Daryl. Um, uh, and then Mel Gibson, uh, makes Renee Russo wants to talk to Mel Gibson. So she's like, he's like, you gotta talk to me in the men's room while I'm peeing. And I'm like, that's sexual harassment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, charming sexual harassment. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah. So what they basically, what it is, is that they find out that Travis has been stealing guns from like a police department, like guns that were supposed to be destroyed. He's stealing them from the facility and then selling them and putting them on the streets and and that's how he's making like his money. I, I would like to point out that like in this scene and like kind of throughout the movie, which I guess was sexy in the nineties, but Renee Russo is dressed like a jazzy grandma <laughs> with like vest with like the American flag on them and denim on denim and blazers. Like it's, it's true. Like, you know, she's probably I mean she's probably like in her early 30s like mid 30s at this point and she is it's like wow this is 90s. <laughs> um this so movie, this movie felt like 
this movie felt like the nineties. Everything about this movie was just, just vomited nineties all over you. It's the farewell tour of Mel Gibson's mullet. Yeah. Because (laughs) that's really, it's really the fine. I mean, because like, you know, he had long hair, brave barber. That wasn't really a mullet. Like, I think this is the final appearance of the of the Gibson mullet. So, um, so they get like a they get like a um, like a tip or or some information about from from the guy they got killed. So they go to like this uh, this warehouse, uh, and there's an angry dog there that Mel Gibson makes friends with. Luckily, he had those milk bones on him. Yeah. Um, Mel Gibson and Rene Russo beat up a bunch of guys, and they steal a truck full of cases of guns. Um, they, that then they go back to Rene Russo's house, and there's like the the scene where they compare all the scars. Yeah. Uh, and then that's they probably what this movie is most known for. Yeah, it's an it's an homage to Jaws. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they compare scars, and then they go to the Bone Zone. Um, while that dog, the Rottweiler, is watching for a while, and then he gets kind of bored and rolls over, and he's like, ah. And so he didn't, you know. Anyways. So Danny Glover's living on his boat, uh, drinking straight Jack Daniels. Um, him and Mel Gibson fight, uh, but then they make up because they're best friends. Um, they go to Daryl's funeral. Uh, Daryl's mom is not happy <laughs> with Danny Glover, I guess rightfully well, so. Fuck that lady. <laughs> he was shooting at him. And also, well, I did have my notes. Like, It's a power move to show up at the funeral of the dude you killed. Yeah, yeah, like, and then I was like, like "Why? Why are Mel Gibson and Rene Russo there too?" Like, yeah, they're they're enjoying the boys to men. But <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. They do play. Uh, is it yeah. end of the road? Oh yeah. No, um, so hard. Oh, hard, hard to, to, so, yeah, hard so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, like you know, it's like, lady, you know, your kid was shooting at him. You know, it would have been great if he hauled off and hit her back. You know. But. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, that'll be a different uh, Mel Gibson movie where Mel Gibson yeah, knocks, out, <laughs> knocks out children. Uh, okay, so where were we at? Um, the funeral. Um, uh, then, then there's kind of like a thing where they go to this garage and they like beat up and they rest dudes and they're trying to track down, you know, Travis. And then I, I'm sorry, I found it so hilarious that Travis kidnaps their captain in the parking lot. Of the police station, and David reminded me of like the other guys with like, like <laughs> when uh, Mark Wahlberg has his gun on uh, Will Ferrell, making he's like, is it, is it gun at <laughs> police station? Isn't anyone interested in it? That's what that reminded me of. That they just like broad daylight, he just kidnaps his police captain in the parking lot of a police station, and somehow nobody sees it at all. No, <laughs> the other crazy part about this is they mention slightly earlier than this, that the reason why Travis is able to get the guns out is because he still has police credentials that work. <laughs> it was pre-digital, baby. He weren't paying attention to that shit. Um, so he gets kidnapped in the police station parking lot. Uh, the armored drug lady shows up with flowers and chocolates for Danny Glover because she's still, she's still got a bad yeah. for him. Oh, she's still, she's still hurting for a squirting. Yeah, she wants that murder dick. And then at this point, at this point, I have a note that's like, wait, so no one still at this point realizes that it's gone? Like, they're just like, ah, whatever, I guess he just went to lunch. Um, Joe Pesci... Really long lunch. Joe Pesci shows back up. Um, Travis kidnapped the captain because they finally revoked his credentials. Uh, So he's using the captain to get him into this facility so they can steal more stuff. Um, and I did also think it was funny that like this big police facility and somehow this group of like 15 guys are just walking around shooting, killing people. And like, th- no one seems to notice that it's going on or hear uh, uh, like th- they don't notice a single thing. Um, so, uh, Danny, I, Glover, say, I, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to have the gun destroying thing. It's, it's like, you'd probably go to like a dump or like an industrial recycling center for that you wouldn't actually like have an on-site gun destroyer at station, <laughs> well that and is that subway system thing built into the police station yeah, they were working on it in speed too <laughs> um so mel gibson renee russo uh danny glover and 
was that young cop? Was he introduced earlier in the movie? Yeah, he was just getting the shooting for a second. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so he comes with them. Uh, they have a big shootout with the it bad guys. So, it was so funny. As soon as I saw that guy, and he had lines. I'm like, oh, that guy's dead. Yeah, he's what you yeah, call because, a red shirt. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that that young cop's like, I want to come with you guys, and then he like he immediately gets killed by Travis <laughs> with like his like the armor piercing bullets. Um, and like you said, for some reason, this compound is hooked up to the subway. So like they they take off and like Mel Gibson's hanging from the front of a subway train, uh, and then he takes a police motorcycle and he's chasing them. And I I actually really like that chase scene yeah, where he's like good. on the motorcycle and chasing them down. But uh, Travis ends up uh, getting away. Um, so they go and they talk with Joe Pesci some more, and this is where he finds out where Travis's uh, housing development is. Uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover sh- he wants to go with them so they shoot his tires so he can't go with them um, and uh, here's okay like I understand I know what the answer is is they're the stars of the movie it's Lethal Weapon but it's like why did they bring some backup with them <laughs> they, went, they, like, they just go by themselves and then they get there and there's like so many guys there it's like I don't know I mean I get it that's the whole thing in the movie but it was just like I don't know like maybe bring like the SWAT team yeah, with you. That, well, I mean, I'll, maybe they're worried that uh, Travis will, like, someone will tip him off or something. You uh, know? Again, right. this is me making excuses for it. It's not explained <laughs> that in the movie. You know, but. No, I I appreciate it. Uh, so uh, they have a big shootout in the housing development. Oh yeah, by the way, Rene Russo shows up. Uh, they kill a lot of dudes at this uh, uh, housing development. Uh, Mel Gibson sets all the houses on fire and blows up a truck full of ammo, so everything's burning. Um, Renee Russo gets shot by Travis, but she's okay. Uh, this is this is uh, when uh, Mel Gibson has his big showdown <laughs> with Travis, and I said, <laughs> my note says, remember when Mel Gibson beat up Gary Busey, and now he's having trouble with this old man who should be wearing like New Balances <laughs> and mowing uh-huh. the lawn. <laughs> so at the same time, just saying Gary Busey for someone who's not super familiar with like the first lethal weapon doesn't sound that intimidating. Like, well, okay, oh, Gary Busey, that's a tough guy. You know? I don't remember the name of his character. Okay, but... well, here, let me compare it to you. He's fighting Gary Joshua. Busey with a head injury, or like evil Bob Vila. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he ends up. Uh, well, he shoots Travis because Travis gets in a big like backhoe, I guess. Yeah, um, well, yeah. yeah. And like, and like, Mel Gibson is like trying to, <laughs> trying to shoot him, but the bullets are like, P.S. By the way, um, I forgot to mention that Danny Glover brought the Uzi that Daryl had on him with the armor piercing bullets to this, and he yeah. throws he throws it to Mel Gibson, and Mel Gibson is like, and it shoots through because it's armor piercing, and he he like yeah, hits it, that, that was also kind of a big '90s thing where like it was a, a hysteria on the media where there'd be all they were was Teflon coated bullets. And they they made it look like again like I don't really think they would shoot through steel like that. Not, no, they do, they're not going to go through two inch thick steel. No, and uh, but yeah, that was like that was the kind of media hysteria at the time that oh my god, criminals have cop killer bullets, you know, and it's just like that's what they call them in the movie. It's like yeah, it, it's not as serious as all that, you know. So Travis gets shoot shot shoot a he gets shoot a lot he gets shot a lot but he's not dead so like Mel Gibson sends the backhoe into a burning building and it like collapses on him or something obviously for a line Travis tells him to go to hell and he's like you first oh yeah that's right that's right um, also and... one point of the fight he tells Mel Gibson tells Travis that he's going to eat his fucking heart that's true that's right after he shoots uh, Rene Russo that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but so Travis is dead. Turns out Rene Russo is alive. Uh, then we get the aforementioned weird bathtub scene where everybody's in the bathtub with Mel Gip- with uh, Danny Glover. Not in the bathtub, but in the room with him. He decides that he doesn't want to. Re- <laughs> oh, he's go- he's not going to retire. Yeah. Um, and that's the end of the movie. Unless you stayed after the credits for the post credit scene where they're like driving in the car and they get a call about like a building and they drive to it and oh, another building right. blows up and they're like, yeah, we gotta get yeah, they're like, yeah, it's all ADR. They're like, we gotta get out of here so we don't get blamed. And then they both say in unison, we're getting too old for this shit. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't need to stick around for that. Um, so yeah, that is lethal weapon three. What do you guys got for me? Well, I watched the director's cut of this. 
Oh, I bought the director's cut and I need to watch it still, which is not vastly different, but there's definitely some differences in it. And there's a whole subplot where Murtaugh thinks Riggs is having an affair with his with his daughter. And kind of touched on in the movie. Right. right. But originally in the script, there was a whole scene where they do sleep together and and they cut it out. So there's that one scene at the very, very end where. Riggs is where Murtaugh is coming out of the house and Riggs is already outside with his daughter saying goodbye to her and he kisses her. That was like the end of that whole sequence. Ah. So left in the movie. So maybe that's what on It's Always Sunny, that's what they follow when they're making their Lethal Weapon movies. I don't know, maybe. Maybe that was that Lethal Weapon TV show. Yeah. Yeah, that like they had the like there was a duel like oh no the guy who played Riggs is an asshole so we have to cancel like no Damon Wayne's is an asshole so we have to cancel <laughs> what if we bring on Sean William Scott instead and he, <laughs> we won't have Riggs anymore it's like yeah that seems weird and then they canceled never, it yeah I never watched it so um what else you guys got I got some role reversals oh let's hear them there's a lot uh, okay. so uh, they were aiming big for Jack Travis and yep. whiffed. Uh, so originally they wanted Robert De Niro, uh, yep. clearly did not get him. Then they also offered the role to Jack Nicholson, Gene <laughs> Which Hackman. I think they kind of tried to get with the hair. They kind of gave the guy Jack Nicholson hair. Sort of. Gene Hackman, Al Pacino, <laughs> James Caan, Alec I, uh, Baldwin. Like hockey. Let's go watch a hockey game. <laughs> Alec Baldwin, <clears throat> John Travolta. And Michael Keaton. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I got cop kill the bullets. Oh, my God. Apparently, Michael Keaton, it was going to be Michael Keaton, and then he eventually turned it down. Um, for Lorna, for... Uh, uh, Renee Russo. Renee Russo's character. It was... Uh, what did I have here? It was originally cast as Winona Ryder, but then they thought she was too young for the role. Way too young. Yep. Yeah. So then they went through Madonna... Ugh. Jody Foster, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer, Joan Cusack. Oh my God, that'd be so weird. Linda Hamilton. Yeah, that would make sense. Laura Dern, Brooke Shields, Gina Davis, and Kirstie Alley. Jesus. Some of those make perfect sense, and some are wild. You know? Oh yeah. Like Jody Foster, like yeah, she and Mel Gibson are like best friends. That would make sense. Sure. You know, she would be good for the role. You know. Yep. What? Man, too bad they didn't get Al Pacino, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> or I get. I think. Hey, uh, I, I actually this police station to get the guns. I actually think James Caan would have been great because I think he would have been because we know that he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's what I'm saying. If he can beat, if he's tougher than Arnold Schwarzenegger, yep. he could beat up Mel Gibson. So yeah, <laughs> uh, that's wild. I didn't. I did not see any of that. That's crazy. How many? Uh, uh, role reversals yeah. there were how many uh so um wow uh anything else that you guys want to mention or should we just get into our uh ratings for this um uh goaltender kelly rudy was uh super annoyed at the additional lights they used for when they were filming the hockey scenes and uh stopped filming <laughs> he's like no we're done we're not filming anymore and he walked off yeah. Oh, I don't think that guy has any Stanley Cups. So, nope. uh, you know what I forgot to mention? Uh, there, there's only one tagline for this movie. Do you guys want to know what it is? Is it what the puck? No, it is not. Okay. It is. It is. The magic is back again. <laughs> Wasn't that just a tagline okay. from the second movie? I think. I think the tagline might have been like the magic is back, but this time the magic is back again. That's what I mean. Oh, with an exclamation point. Um. Yeah, I don't. I got nothing else. I got nothing no, else. All right. Unless you're ready. All right, let's rate let's it. Let's rate this thing. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh boy. I think who, who wants to go first? I think Tush should go first. I think so. We, okay. we kind of know well, where he's going. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, so I have an affection for this movie because it was like it introduced me to the franchise. I will fully admit it's probably the least of the four. Maybe four is worse. I haven't watched that that recently. Um, 
they both have the same three and four both have the same problem where they just kind of almost want to showcase moments instead of the whole movie. Like four is four in that sense is worse because you don't just have Joe Pesci going on his rants and like they stop everything and do it. You have Chris Rock basically doing his stand up routine. <laughs> and so like and then like it's like, yeah, it's almost like it almost feels more like a greatest hits album than like an uh, an album. It's like, okay, yeah, we've got these cool stunts. We've got this. We've got Mel Gibson acting crazy. So as a cohesive movie, I admit it's, it's there's problems with it. You know, I still really enjoy it. Again, you take the whole franchise and watch them together. You, it, it introduces Renee Russo, who's a really good character. Yeah, the villain's weak. The villain's probably the weakest of the villains in the uh, you know in the thing. And it's also weird that they try to like stuff actual serious social issues. But I mean, they did that in the other ones too. They did that with apartheid and everything in the last one. Yeah. And but I still enjoy it, so I am giving it. Three and a quarter machine guns. Um, uh, I'll go next. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I, I I gotta say, like for all that I was saying about this movie and picking it apart, I don't, I didn't dislike the movie. I enjoy the movie. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of movies we watch that I think are enjoyable, but they have a lot of questions that I would ask of them. And, and I think you put it pretty pretty succinctly um, that it, it, it's kind of almost like it's not super cohesive. Like some of the stuff, it, it just it's confusing to me as why it's in there. Like, it, I don't know. And, and the whole bad guy plot is kind of weak, and, and especially compared to some of the other ones. Um, that being said, again, I didn't hate the movie. I liked uh, I liked Mel Gibson. I liked Danny Glover. I still like their chemistry. Some of the action scenes were good. Um, this is tough though because I, I should have went back and seen what I gave the second one because I definitely like the second one a lot more. Um, I'll still give this one three machine guns. I'll still get three machine guns because I because I was entertained by it and and all the kind of silliness and stuff like that. It wasn't enough to detract from me enjoying it. So I'll go three three machine guns. Well. You know, I don't love this movie. Um, I don't hate it. It's all of those things. It is disjointed. It feels like just a collection of scenes. Um, I think that a lot of it was written just to execute a particular gag or joke. Um, I think there's a lot of this movie you could cut 30 to 40 minutes out of this movie and not lose the plot at all. Like there's some scenes in this, like the scene with the burger, for instance, with the, with the burger place, you could cut that whole scene and just cut to Murtaugh seeing the, the drug deal going on. And that's the only bit of information you need from that entire 10 minute sequence in the movie. And there's chunks of the movie. That's like that. Um, so I don't really, th- there's barely a plot to this. Um, I do like the characters as far as like Riggs and Murtaugh and Rene Russo's character. I enjoy that. Joe Pesci is so annoying in this movie. He is such, he is so irritating and not even like funny irritating like he is in the other movies. He's just like super, too, he's too, he's too, what's, he's too Leo Getz in this movie. He's very, and he's very like, uh, sorry to interrupt your review, but he's very kind of like, I feel like cramped. They're like, well, we got him back in it. So what if you sell in the house? And, you know, it's like, I feel like he's crammed into it just to get him in the movie. You know, I don't know if it feels and whatever. It's a movie, but I don't know if it feels 100% natural that he's in the movie at all. Right. No, I agree. Like, he shouldn't be in this movie. um, And this movie suffers from what, you know, what a lot of things did in the early 90s is it's a victim of 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 the era like you have all of the like gang stuff in LA that they sort of throw in a movie that's supposed to be an action comedy um you have kind of like the weird seriousness of the funeral that happens it's such a weird mishmash of of tone that I I, I can't make sense of this movie what they want to do with this um but you know it's still relatively entertaining like I don't it was slow in parts, but I don't think it's a terrible movie. I certainly am never going to watch it again. Um, <laughs> but for people who love Lethal Weapon, I 
can see how they enjoy it. But I'm going to go, I'll go straight down the middle. I'm going to be fair with this and say two and a half machine guns. I think, I think my heart is telling me maybe two, but realistically it is, it was entertaining. So I'm going to go two and a half machine guns. Do you guys feel that like Mel Gibson in the late eighties, early nineties was similar to kind of like the rock was like in the last few years where it's like, he can get by on some movies that if he's not in them, they might be stinkers. But like, you know, he had enough charisma and stuff. Like, so I mean, like, think about it. He did like, you know, not just this, but like The Man Without a Face and uh, Forever Young and movies that are just completely forgettable now. But back then they were hits because, like, yeah, it's Mel Gibson, you know? Yeah. But I think that I think every, every <laughs> big actor has those. Yeah. It's just, you know, that's just the nature of celebrity and. And what you know, what's hot sells. That's just, true. That's just what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think that's still. Yeah, I, I think the Rock is a good comparison. But I think, yeah, I think that's still the same way. Is is that it's just like, let's get this person that's this actor that's hot, and let's get him in this movie, and just like whatever the genre is, you know, let's get him in it, yeah. you know. So, um, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I thought maybe you're going to be a little worse. I will say that after watching this one, now I'm kind of like, I do kind of want to watch the fourth one because it's been at least as long since I've seen the fourth one. So I kind of like, and it's it's on it's it's also on Tubi uh, at least until uh, the end of March. So maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, the month of the four quill, baby. <laughs> what are some other fourth movies? Well, there's Rocky the fourth ramp. Well, we haven't done any Rocky movies. I don't know if those actually count as action okay. movies. Uh, we could do the fourth Rambo, which is actually really freaking good. Yeah, uh, there's definitely a fourth Marine. <laughs> the, mar- the Marine for forever. The uh, lo- lo- lost episode. But, but you get to switch up John Cena for the Miz. <laughs> I still, I still would like to listen to that episode where uh, LPJ's uh, voice cuts out and it's just me talking to myself. I'll send it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll cut it. I'll cut it together. Apparently, I'll just me. Send it to you. Just me can talking we, to myself about it. Can huh? we remaster of me pretending to be LPJ? Hey, maybe we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see how dedicated you get. We'll, we'll release it to people. They could they could buy it from us, and then they can record their own episode. <laughs> that's not a, that's <laughs> not a terrible idea. Well, you just have my end of it, and then like you get to record your own part and put it in. Uh, I would just like I just like the idea of listening to myself sounding insane, just talking about the marine with no other responses, just going through the plot of the marine and how terrible a freaking movie that was. I'll see uh, what I can do with the uh, with the equipment issues I had uh, right after that. I don't know. Yeah. I I assume the episode somewhere. On my computer yeah. now. I just got to figure out where where it is. Yeah, that is crazy though. I didn't even think about the fact that like I forgot that that episode never came out. So it's been a minute. So I yeah. hope everyone enjoyed our our big comeback uh, episode. Lethal Weapon Three. Yeah. Remember when they teach Danny Glover how to do like a karate kick and then he does what? it against one of the guys at the housing development. And, he's like, and that's like he's so happy that in the middle of the gunfight he's like, he's like Riggs, it works, Riggs. <laughs> Why? Why? Why did Jack Travis? Why was his side hustle like building a uh, subdivision? Crooked real estate was another um was like another big thing back then. Like people like you know building these like ugly cookie cutter homes and like you know a lot like that was like a big there was just been like because that that other thing that subdivision was an abandoned like just like the funding fell through so like you know real estate developers like that was a thing that like they were able to use that because it was there was just an abandoned half-made real estate mm-hmm. uh, development there and they'd build them real cheap yeah and then keep the extra money exactly <clears throat> it was a thing so, yeah Day another five. another shoehorned in 90s issue yep uh anything uh we should plug yeah so uh, i i'm oh, giving ahead, copies of my uh book to different people i'm, I'm gonna give one to your wife so i can get the female perspective okay um, and then, uh, yeah, oh, I, I wrote a novella too. I'm going to see, like, uh, get that out there in a little bit. And I have to tell everyone, go see John Wick 4. It is excellent. I'm going to really try and see it. it this weekend if I can. I got yeah. a lot of stuff to do fixing my basement, but we'll see. Saturday and Sunday matinees at the Imagine Baby, $6. Yep. That's Ooh. what I usually do. Yep. I enjoy that. So that's all, all I got. Right. Uh, I uh, just. As always, want to plug Tubi. I know I talked about it at the beginning of the episode. 
watch Lethal Weapon, all the Lethal Weapon movies that are on there currently, and a little tease going into next week's episode, I watched next week's movie on Tubi as well. So get that Tubi app if you don't have it. What about you, LPJ? Yeah, I'm good. Aren't uh, you glad to be back? Yeah. <laughs> Super Super glad. Glad. No, uh, I am glad. Uh, thank you for uh, kind of hanging on with us. And uh, and we're back. This this apparently has worked. So if, as far as I can tell, the episode's recording okay. So we should be back for next week's episode. Uh, fingers crossed. Um, but uh, check us out on Instagram and Discord. Uh, Discord is really where you can get the most information about our show when we're you know not talking at you. Uh, you can you know I, that's where I announced our little hiatus and and all that other stuff. It, we also take uh, suggestions as well. Uh, so shoot us some suggestions. Some, some, shoot us some suggestions in Discord, and maybe we'll listen to you. But probably not. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, 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 great to be here. Great to be back. Do you want me to sing us out in the Elton John song that I don't really remember the words to? No. There's a hunger inside, and there's something and something. Would you? Would you? And murder back. Would you ask us? You can't just you can't ask to do something and then not get the just start doing it without the response because we both said no. Right. Well, well that that's a that's a whole issue in and of itself that you know it's a character flaw, but oh well. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, Tush, thanks as always for being here. I know that you're contractually obligated to be on every Mel Gibson movie we cover. So. Apologist. Uh, <laughs> All right. Just for the man, not for the things he said. Fair enough. This episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>